Salam, Khosh Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Team LA Talk. It's great to have you with us. I'm your host, Artif Ikhari. And for this special edition, joining me is Pasha. He is one of the panelists for Gold Bezan, a podcast about Iranian football. And for those of you who maybe are not sure, I've actually been a guest and a panelist before on Gold Bazan as well. Pasha, how you doing? It's great to have you with us on Team LA Talk. Hey, my friend, it's an absolute pleasure for the invite, and I'm looking forward to having this uh, conversation with you tonight. All right. And as we get ready to do this, I mean, let's get right to it. You know, we have an agenda today, but the first thing on our agenda is Carlos Queiroz. And, Pasha, you and I both know Iranian football, you know, and Team LE very well. And, unfortunately, there's lots of negative things involving Iranian football at times, I'm excuse me, with Team LE. And at times we hear things about coaches, you know, having a problem with the federation and vice versa. So as as of I believe January 9th, so it's been it's been nearly a month that Carlos Queiroz, you know, resigned from as head coach of Team LA, our national team of Iran. But you know, this also happened even in March of 2015. He resigned, but then something got figured out. He came back to coach Iran. So what I'm wondering now is, I mean, do you think Carlos Quiroz is still going to be the coach of Iran? I mean, a few weeks have passed, so I'm wondering, do you think he's still coach of Iran, or are you kind of like on the fence about it now? No, I think that um, the thing is, is that you got to think about it this way, is that when Carlos Quiroz says he's resigning, it's, when he says resignation, it's more that he's threatening the Iranian Football Federation in the terms that you know, when he signs his contract, he has some terms and policies that he wants the Federation to go by. And as we know, and as Iranians know, that usually doesn't happen with Iranians. Um, everything disorganized and it gets dismantled. And that's one of the biggest issues that Carlos Kedush gets fed up with. And um, he threatens the Federation that, hey, I'm going to leave. But in actuality, he just wants to see what's going to happen. And the same situation that I tell him with Bronco is exactly like this. And um, as we saw... He quickly released the Paris 7 Paris release players um, due to the, you know, the tensions that was happening with Bronco. I know people very, very close to Carlos Kairosh, and one of the things Carlos Kairosh told them was that he's very upset, you know. And one of the reasons, one of the biggest things he told them is that, listen, if you are telling me that a club manager, right, has a much of a bigger role than the Iranian national team manager does. There's something obviously wrong, you know. And um, thankfully, uh, what touched it immediately was resolve this issue. Yes, of course. At the same time, everybody's still worried that oh, is he gonna leave or not? But I could tell you guys this now is that the odds of that is not happening. Me and you have spoken about this, um, Arash, and um, we're gonna go back to it. Is that he's about to make history, you know. I think this will be the first time in our history that Iran could be potentially, you know, consecutive times making to the World Cup. And um, we're right now midway through qualifying campaign. So obviously he doesn't want to give that up. And uh, especially he doesn't want to give it up to a bunch of, you know, dogmatic Iranian coaches because that's most likely, like, hypothetically speaking, if he does leave, that's what's going to happen. So the thing with Carlos Kairos is, is that he is coming from a background with a lot of a lot of experience, you know, assistant coach of Manchester United, head coach of Real Madrid, you know, head coach of, you know, even South Africa, 
so many various places. It's, it's unbelievable. Even his own national team, Portugal. So obviously he has a lot of um, ambitions and he has a lot of things that the Iranian Federation wants to do, but they just can't provide it. And um, and that's what he gets set up with because they promise him we're going to do this, but it doesn't happen. So when he ever, for me, honestly, from what I've seen, it's gotten to a point that every time he says he's resigning, it's for me, it's just more about the fact that he's threatening. So I don't know if you see it that way, but um, I promise this is that he's not going to leave because he knows what's at stake. He knows he's making a decent amount, not that he cares about the money, but even though some people think he does, but in actuality, he really doesn't because, you know, he's already gotten a lot of money from, it's just more of the fact that he knows that um, he feels something with Iran. You know, he knows how much the fans love him. Um, he himself has many times came out of his way to say that we are the best fans in Asia. And um, he knows how much respect we have. It's just a matter of fact that he just doesn't, hasn't gotten that respect from the people up in the Federation that should be giving him respect. And um, that's when these issues tend to occur. And you could say it's childish from him, but at the same time, knowing Iranian, um, being myself an Iranian, you being an Iranian, um, we know it's very hard to deal with Iranians in many circumstances. So imagine a foreigner coming to our country trying to deal with these folks. So as you can imagine, there's always going to be problematic issues arising. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It, it basically reminds me, and I'm sure like other people as well, it reminds us of you know a situation where people are haggling over some kind of deal you know, involving business, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just really tough. And also with the Football Federation of Iran, you have to assume that there are power struggles going on as well. Yes, of course. And um, somebody that I know very, very close to Carlos Carlos even got back to me and he said that he loves the country. He loves the Iranian people. You know, he he really is just very upset that the investment doesn't go into more important things because a manager is just one part of the solution. But the bigger um, part of football, the biggest problem right now we have in Iran is grass grassroots development you know um we don't we always have a short-term plan you know we don't have a long-term plan and um one of the interesting things he told this this person that i do know um unfortunately i just can't say his name just because you know just the way he is is that um he says that he compared germany for example he says germany when they won you know the world cup you know they had a plan you know that from this time to this time, this is the estimation we're going to have to potentially win it. And what happened, interesting enough, was, you know, they did do that. Even Mahdavikia came on the national television of, of Iran, you know, one of those big shows called Nabat, even said it. And that's exactly what Carlos Garris was referring to, um, was that countries have a plan. They want to get to somewhere. Iran doesn't have a plan. You know, everything for us is a short-term solution, and that's when the problem occurs. And one thing that Carlos Garris always talks about is that I'm just one part of the plan, right? I'm one part of this a unit. But in order for this unit to keep growing, is that like we need to invest. And unfortunately, we don't see that happening because of other dubious circumstances. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we all know there's issues in Iranian football, as always. But um, the demands that Carlos Kairos wants, I could say that there's sometimes too much knowing the way that our um, federation is. You know, you mentioned grassroots. You also mentioned live for the moment, and that's exactly what one of my um, guests has said before on Team LA Talk. He's a play-by-play, he's a play-by-play commentator for Team LA. His name is Beth Ruz Afrikan, and you're right. He's, he has said the exact same thing, that 
Iranians tend to have that mindset where they live for the moment and they're not thinking mm-hmm. very much long term. And, you know, I'm with you on that. It would be great to see a change there, but it's going to take some time. You know, who knows how long we'll have to wait for that. But, yeah, that is def- that is the right mindset. It just it all comes down to the fact that, you know, it's got to get done. Can I say one more thing, um, Marash? Sorry for taking every time. Just the last thing is that look at just look at the grand scheme of things that are on. We haven't replaced Ali Karimi in how many years? You know, That's like it's been a while. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Um, right now, Najavo Nekunam is retired, but the person that right now immediately replaced him because of way Carlos Karish is. He saw Saeed Zatolis for his age. That's why he's not playing for a club right now. Um, in order to play, you know, because he saw something in him. But how many, co- if there was an Iranian coach in this series, how many, what were the odds of Saeed Zatolis going to, you know, play that? So what they would do is that they would just go for the experience. You know, they wouldn't give really youth a chance. You know, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we have all these players that, um, you know, when they retire or stuff, like when Ashkan, for example, retires, who is going to replace them? You know, but already with, if you see all these, you know, top national teams, they already have a replacement. The way in advance and the fans would know who's going to replace them. So this is the problem we have in Iranian football is that everything is so sporadic. You, you don't know what's happening. That That's why Ashkan has to play as a 10 because he doesn't have the legs to play as a wing anymore. And um, he's not a non- traditional number 10, but um, that's what he's supposed to do now, you know, and he's forced into playing that role. And this goes back to, as I said, that how grassroots level helps is that you know, if you could get these players playing from a certain age up to the higher league, you know, and, you know, travel worldwide, you know, it's, it's amazing. And none of our coaches do that. How many of our coaches have a license, you know, an actual FIFA license, you know? It's, and that's the problem that we have. And these are the same people that criticize Carlos Kiyosh, and it's very sad to see. And uh, as I said, Carlos Kiyosh is one of the problems, but with the biggest problem we have is that we need to motivate these coaches. We want, we need to, you know, inspire coaches to go out of the way, getting their coaching license, like what Mahdavi Kia is doing, uh, what Baid Hashimian is doing, you know, and, um, you know, inspire coaches to do that. And um, even the cause coach is one of the factors. He's not going to be here forever, so we need to look in the future, but we don't do that. And um, it's amazing. And when a foreign coach tells us this and we don't do anything about it, it goes on to show you that, we're not, we need to develop and we're not doing that because after Carlos cares what's going to happen, God knows what's going to happen, you know? And, um, that's, that's my big, that's my biggest worry right now is that looking to the future is that who is going to replace them? Do we, are we eyeing anybody for his replacement? And, um, these are the circumstances that we have and, um, that's, 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 and that's exactly why he gets fed up is that there's nothing, everything's short term, nothing is, um, so um, look at all these countries. We're about to play soon in March. We don't have a friendly. Um, if I'm, if you're the manager, if I'm the manager, I would be very upset about that. You know, we're number one in Asia. You know, um, we haven't lost in how many years against an Asian team? I think three or four years now. So it's unbelievable. And um, but yeah, sorry for um, going on a little small rant about this situation, but I think it needed to be talked just because of. I would see the frustration that our manager is having, and as fans, we want the best for our country. But um, this is just the way we have to deal with things, and unfortunately, this is what it is. Yeah, I agree. And looking back at that camp that took place in the United Arab Emirates, and we you mentioned uh, you mentioned it already. Branko Ivankovic, head coach of Perspolis, you know, had a little problem with Kiro's holding the camp. 
Iran was supposed to play a friendly match with Morocco, and that got canceled. And what can I say? I was not upset about it because, you know, for all the years we've been keeping up with Team Ali, I mean, canceled friendlies are like are the norm for for our national team of Iran. It's it's that's the reality. You know, we don't like it, but that's the way it is. And you know, when you're t- you mentioned the grassroots, you know, I have to touch on that again real quick. You, you it's true about you know how in, how important it is. And you know, I look back and I, you know, I've been following Team Ali since uh, 1997. Been following Iran mm-hmm. since 1997. You know, that was for the '98 World Cup qualifying. You know. And look what we've experienced. You know, you make it, they make it in 98, miss, miss out in 02, make it back in 2006, but then miss out 2010. So clearly those are, that's, that right there is evidence that things aren't working on all cylinders for the Iranian exactly. uh, Football Federation. And with that, you know, and of course you also mentioned legendary names, players like Messi, Mathavikia, Vahid Hashemian, very, uh, very great players, some of the best players ever to put on the shirt. Um, for for Team Ali, the national team of Iran, and they were also very successful in Germany. I mean, Hashemian had a great career with uh, Bochum as well as with Hannover, and of course, Mehdi Matavikia had a good career with Hamburg, and he also had a s- small spell with uh, Eintracht f- uh, Frankfurt. And with that, you know, we're transitioning into Germany, and Ashkan Dejaga has returned to Wolfsburg, and. You know, and you, what I want to ask you is, were you a little surprised when you heard the news? I mean, um, to be honest, no. Um, and the reason why that is because the person that is behind Ashkan Dijaga, Reza Fazuli, is very, very well connected um, with the football world, probably one of the most respected Iranian agents. And I was surprised in the sense that, um, you know, he, he left. Uh, I mean, I think I think is he's still on loan. But the matter of the fact that I wasn't surprised that he easily got into the Bundesliga side because of the connection of his agent. But I'm more surprised to the fact that that they got him, you know, um, out of the blue, in the sense that that you know it's a big risk for the club because he wasn't really, you know, it's like I think Ashkan, if I'm not mistaken, was you know not playing for. You know, he was playing in the Middle East, so, you know, just moving that away and coming back and trying to adapt now to a European, you know, footballing style, you know, a top-class style, you know, adapting to very ambitious players alongside of you now. Um, you know, it's a big gamble that the club is doing, and that's a lot of trust they're giving to Ashkan because um, he used to play for them. I was shocked. That was what I was more shocked about, you know, um, because it's a big trust that they're giving to him because... He has to now step up his game, which is better for us because he's going to be in a much more uh, better situation uh, for the national team. Yeah, and the first thing that came to my mind was that, you know, I was a little surprised because, you know, he played, you know, Ashcom played in Germany for quite a while. He was with Hertha Berlin. Mm -hmm. He was also with, you know, Wolfsburg from 2007 to 2012. And then, you know, of course, he had that spell with Fulham where he made 44 appearances. He had six goals. And in the past few years, clearly a lot of us uh, Team LA fans are not very thrilled with Ashkan playing for Al Arabi in the in the Qatar. Uh, yeah, I think it's called the Qatar like Stars League. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But you know, but you know, but now that he's back with Wolfsburg, I I'm very happy about it. I'm really excited. I'm finding myself saying, okay, I guess now I got to pay a lot more attention to the Bundesliga. And you know, with that, while we're on the topic of you know Ashkan Dejaga and uh, Wolfsburg. 
Do you feel like it might be a little harder for Ashkan to get some playing time? I mean, considering Wolfsburg has players like Luis Gustavo of Brazil, even Mario Gomez, and, and also, let's not forget, a very good Polish midfielder, Jakub Błaszczykowski. Yeah, um, well, one of the biggest reasons why I think he's going to get playing time is that um, Julian Draxler that used to play for them, uh, he moved to PSG, and uh, he was pre- predominantly playing as a 10 or, you know, on the flanks, and um, I would see he's potentially not his direct replacement, but a player that they need, you know, in terms of attacking midfielder. The thing is, the the biggest issue that Ashkan, in my eyes, has is that it's not about him making it to the lineup. It's more of the fact that how of, you know, how long is it going to take him to even make it to the bench in the terms of, you know, his tempo of the style of the game, you know, his ability and stuff is right now because he's playing the Qatari League, you know, now he has to, now he's playing Europe, he has to adapt again, you know. It's a big, big transition again, despite the fact that, you know, because his body's not used to it, if you get what I mean, you know, and that's the biggest thing that he needs to overcome. And if he does that, he's easily going to get back into the starting lineup. And um, this is what I was trying to say, which you got to respect Wolfsburg's decision, is that they're giving this guy a lot of trust. Because which club from Europe do you see, right, will go sign someone from the Qatari League and bring him to uh, Europe, especially for a top club like Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga? And they're like, yeah, you know, we want you, we want you to start. You don't, you don't see that rarely. So that's that's what I mean. That was that was. And that's the trust that he needs to show to them. Because if he does, there's going to be more doors open with him. And something Arash I want to say is that they, all, you know, after the World Cup, he actually had an offer, a great offer, actually, to come back into this one. And one of his offers was Wolfsburg, but he rejected it, and he still decided to go to attack. So he should really be grateful that they're still giving you another chance. Because usually when you do that to a club, you disrespect it the club by saying that no you know I'm going after you know potentially for the money more not for the football because that was his decision um for whatever reason that was and um you know he needs to be very taking that for don't take it for granted and do what he does because he's a top player and um I love Ashkan he's done a lot for team uh the national team team Melly and um he's a fantastic player and um I hope I hope I really do hope that um, he gets that spark back in him because, you know, he doesn't really, he doesn't have it anymore like he used to. And that's because his body's kind of adapted to like a Middle Eastern sort of uh, playing style. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, fitness. That's huge. And like, I agree that, you know, he has to make, he has to make that adaptation. He's got to, he's got to make that change. And, you know, but I think a lot of us Team LA fans, we have all the confidence in the world in him. You know, he's, you know, he grew up in Germany. He knows about the game very much. He and he had a decent spell as well with Fulham. And so I think it'll be it'll be great to see how he does. I mean, not sure how quick, like you said, it, it may take some time to you know work his way back on the bench. I mean, we don't even know if he's going to be dressed and on the bench and ready to play in their upcoming matches. Yeah. But like, but like you know, like I was just saying, we're gonna have to wait and see how that goes. But I definitely will be looking forward to it. I'm sure all the Iranian football fans will be doing the same. And with that, we're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. My name is Andranik Eskandarian, and you are listening to Team Melly Talk. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Team Melly Talk. Here I am still with Pasha. All right, Pasha, you know, we've had a good chat so far about the situation with Carlos Queiroz, as well as Ashkan Dejaga returning 
to Germany, you know, of course, for his, the same club he played for um, previously, uh, Wolfsburg. And recently, we could really see that the number of Iranian players has really increased mm-hmm. in, in regards to Iranian footballers playing um, in European leagues. I mean, what, what do you yeah. think about that? Is it very? Is it something you're really, really proud of? It's, I'm very proud of it. It's also because of Carlos Kader's influence. That I know for a fact that he told players, you know, that's what you need to do to get into the team. And what does that do? That motivates people in the domestic league to do that. And we're going to touch about one individual about that later on. Um, but yeah, it, that's, that's what he's done is that, that that's how much respect the players give to him that they go out of way to do this. And it's amazing. Pretty much all our, um, first team national team players are all in Europe. And that's, that's crazy to think about. Maybe not all for the best teams, but just for them to play in Europe, it says a lot. And um, that's what we want them to do because it really, really, it's much better for them to be in Europe rather than being in uh, Iran. You know, when I'm looking at Iran's roster, you know, I like seeing the players' names and, you know, the club team next to their name. You see the flag of that country, of the club that they're playing at. You know, right now you can see that mm-hmm. Azmoon is in is playing in Russia. Um, so, you know, Gutenajad is playing for Hiranbein in Netherlands. Ansari Farad and Shojai are both in Greece. I mean, Shojai is still with Panionios, and recently Ansari Farad yeah. signed with Olympiakos. You definitely, I definitely like what I'm seeing there, too. I mean, also even backup keeper Sosha Makani, he went from Yondalan to, I think he just signed with yeah. uh, Sturm's Godset. I think it's a, a, team in the, a team in the top tier of Norwegian football. Yeah. So I like what I'm seeing there, and... You know, this is, and of course, you know where this is going. I'm sure a lot of Team LA fans know where this is going. And the question, you know, you come up with is, you know, what has happened to Ali Reza Hagi Gi? Um, you know, uh, let's just start about a little bit going back to Hagi. I would tell you when Hagi used to play for Paris he was probably one of the worst keepers I've ever seen. Um, in my lifetime when he's playing for Paris And, um, that might, you might, people that are listening to my sound being too harsh. But that was just a reality in my eyes. And um, I was very, very surprised when he became Iran's number one goalkeeper in the World Cup. And I was very afraid. But um, he ate, he made me eat my words of how brilliant he was. And for me, if I'm in issues, I'm like, wow, that's a big motivation, you know, for me to carry on, you know, doing what I got to do. But now, you know, he hasn't been finding the club for himself for months now. And um, he's more more worried about his selfies, you know, his modeling poses and stuff like that. And that goes on to show you that, you know, is, is that what it was for him? It's just a matter of fact and making a little fame for him so to get some likes from a bunch of fangirls. And that'd be that because it's, it's amazing. Because he was linked with Portsville and the rumors are true. I know that for a fact. They are true. But um, interesting enough, um, Sina Saimian from one of the people from Golduzum, even though she even came out and said it and said that, um, interesting enough, Port Vale still chose Celtic FC's a top club in, you know, in Ireland. Um, interesting enough, their fourth goalkeeper for Port Vale. So that goes on to show you that they still did not take Hayri. Um, and uh, I don't know what's going to be in for them. It's, it's not good for them at all. Because he's going down the pecking order to Susha Makani. Um, you know, he's showing himself. He's moving to a better team. He wants to break into that lineup. You know, um, Bayron Van is doing a splendid job. Akbari, some, one of, probably one of the best goalkeepers I've seen in the League, which 
you know, um, people who I've spoken to and or we've had this conversation, they all think that he should be going to Europe. And um, I don't know what's going to be for Hayley. And I honestly can tell you that it's always, it, for any player, it doesn't matter how talented you are, how hardworking you are, it always comes down to your attitude. If you don't have it, you're not going to make it. And I think Hayley, for him, he, I don't think he really cares, to be honest. Um, and that's really sad to see because if you're giving that opportunity to play for Iran, you know, to put on that badge, shirt, to represent that badge in front of millions and millions of people sitting down on their computers or their TVs and watching you play and being such an outstanding goalkeeper in the World Cup and you not trying to, you know, influence yourself in order to keep being the best that you could be, pushing yourself in order for you to get into top clubs. But you're still not doing that and you're just more worried about how many likes you're going to get on Facebook on Instagram or where wherever his social accounts are. It's it's not right, man. And I hope and that's why I appreciate about Carlos Station for not inviting him is because we don't need that mentality. We want winners, we want players that they want to give it at all and I respect um Karish's decision for not calling him up. And um and this goes back to our conversation we had with Saeed of how much trust he does because Saeed wasn't even playing for Rostov at all. He had he had issues with work permit and everything. But he still Carlos Still was like this kid is gonna be for the future. And that's when I say that these managers, like um, your team, and they always look long term, is because they see something to play on. They're like, no, this kid, he might not be so great right now, but I could see something in him, and we see the potential that is that he has for Hayley. We don't know, Arash, and I don't know if you agree with me with me all on this, but it's very very sad to see. And to be honest, I think that it's better for him not because. He's not he's not ambitious enough, and there's other goalkeepers that right now are saying much much more ambitious than he is, and they deservedly need to um, be called upon, not him. Yeah, I do agree with you on the fact that you know if this is if this is how things are going for Haggy Gee, if you know this if he's messing up his own track record, then yes, he clearly will be much more happier with keepers like Ali Reza, Bayram Van, Mohamed Reza, Akbari, or even of course definitely Sosha Makani. And one thing I want to clarify, you know, for our listeners. Mm-hmm. You know, the rumor here, rumors that have been, you know, floating around the internet involving Hagigi signing with Port Vale. Yes, that is, Port Vale are a League One club. Yes, that is the third level of English football. So just wanted to clarify that because we've seen Ali Reza Hagigi go from, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, he was with Perspolis. He was, he signed with Rubin Kazan. He barely got any playing time with them. He was loaned out to different teams in Portugal, Sporting, Covilha, and also Penafiel. And then we also saw him, you know, make some appearances for Maritimo in the top flight of Portuguese football. You know, Ali Reza oh, Hagigi, of course, remember um, him from the... All right, sorry for coming. Thank you for bringing that club up, Maritimo. Um, I think it was the coach or the general manager of that club that right now, Amir Abidzad, they just signed with. They said that he had probably one of the worst attitudes they've seen from a goalkeeper. And this is in regards to Hagigi. So what does that tell you? That tells you that this man just, it's not good enough. You know, he doesn't have the right attitude. If you want to make it, you got to have the right attitude. And if a manager, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was his, gen, I think it was the general manager of the club that said that. That's that's really sad to hear, especially that you presented us for the World Cup and we, so much high hopes that fans were having for him. And this is the way he um, he's representing himself. It's not good to see. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, when you hear that he doesn't have a good attitude, that's something we don't want to hear. You know, and what you just told me, that's actually news. And now for a little bit of irony, you know, how we're, and right now how I'm going to make this connection is, yes, you just mentioned that Maritimo 
just signed Amir Abedzadeh to a deal. And, of course, Amir Abedzadeh is the son of legendary Team Ali keeper Ahmad Reza Abedzadeh, who captained Iran in the 1998 World Cup. Clearly, of course, hardcore Iranian football fans will not forget a legend such as Ahmad Reza Abedzadeh. But the one thing I wanted to tie into that is, you know what, back in 2011, when I was working for a team that that time they were called the Los Angeles Blues of the United Soccer League, the third at that time was the third level of professional soccer in the United States. I was working for the Blues at that time, and it was at that time that Amir Abedzadeh was actually one of the keepers for the Blues. You know, and I had a couple conversations with him, and at that time, you know, I asked him, I asked him, I said, hey, Amir, who's your favorite keeper in Iran? I was expecting him to say Mehdi Rahmati. But you know what? He said that his favorite keeper was Ali Reza Hagigi. He said Paris Police. And, you know, that's why, to me, it was I remember saying to myself, wow. And here is, you know, going back to the 2014 World Cup, I remember telling myself, wow. And here is the guy. Here is Hagigi starting for Team Ali in the World Cup. And this is the same keeper that Amir Abedzadeh said that that was his favorite keeper back in 2011. And, um, you know, that's, I mean, I'm just, I'm just like, what you just said right now is just upsetting because that was his role model. And, um, I don't, it's, it's really, it's really tough to see how some of the rating players, they, um, when some, when a new door opens up for them, they close them, they go for something that they don't really need to do that. And, um, and it's just, for me, it's just very frustrating to see because I think he has the decent potential in him. To still be Iran's number one goalkeeper, but you know, for him to, you know, go to Portugal, um, play for Maritimo, barely play any minutes, and for the general manager to come out and say that, yeah, you know, his attitude was probably one of the worst things I've seen. It's 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 very it's a horrible sign, and uh, and for Port Vale. You know, to sign Celtic's fourth goalkeeper, backup goalkeeper, says even more so that um, I don't know. And it goes on to show you, Arash, that despite the fact that his agent is very well connected, Reza Fazli, with, with numerous of clubs worldwide, they just don't want to play because they don't see anything in him that he's done so far. And, um, and that's, and that's, um, it's very frustrating to see from from a fan's perspective, and definitely in Carlos Kerish's eyes, because he gave him a big opportunity to show himself, and he did. But um, it's going down the drain for him, and I don't think I don't see Ayaka coming back in the national team for a while, to be honest. Well, you know, and if he does want to get called up to Team Ellie again, well, clearly he's got a lot of work to do, and he's got to get started right away. And you know, of course, you mentioned how you know he's been out of uh, Ali Reza Hagi, he's been out of, you know, he's not been playing any football for quite a while now. I mean, we're wondering, like, just like I asked earlier, you know, what is, what's going on? But with that, you know, one other person we can talk about now is uh, a player named Reza Karimi. He's 18 years old. He has mm-hmm. represented Iran at different uh, youth levels. And he's actually playing for Skenderbu Korche in the Albanian Superliga. And, you know, let's face it, when we think about top, you know, competitive football leagues in Europe, surely... Uh, you know, Al- the Albanian Superliga does not pop into our heads right away. So, what's your take on Reza Karimi playing in Albania? Yeah, you know, he's, um, he, you know, we know, me and you both know the people close to Reza Karimi. Um, from what I've, I've never actually, you know, seen much of him, you know, 
But from what I've been always told is that he's a very, very work, hardworking young man. And um, he's overly ambitious to be that superstar that, you know, Iranian fans are always going to be talking about. And um, it's weird. I just think it's very hard for him to, you know, because of his ITC issues, which, you know, because of his board permit and for him to play, uh, he was having issues, you know, to play uh, for his club right now. But he actually had his debut today and he did an assist that um, went, you know, viral in the Albanian just because of his age. Um, despite, I know that people are listening to this and us, we're like, oh, interesting, Albanian league, it's not really a place that, you know, that youth footballers go to. But I think somebody that goes out of his way, doesn't, I don't think he speaks English, comes out of his, you know, motherland and um, goes to the unknown, um, doing, coming out of his comfort zone to do something that many won't, and to show himself that, listen, I am going to, you know, this is going to be the start of my career in Europe, and hopefully I'll move on to the top club. you got to respect that. And this is what I was saying that that's why I respect him. Despite that, it might not be the greatest league. It might this club might not be anything close to being a decent club in 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 the Albanian league itself, respectfully. But you got to respect the fact that an 18 year old is coming out of his way to do something big. And um, you know, I'm looking forward to see where it's going to take him. Me and you both are the people very close to him, and um, they've always said it. They say he has the right mentality to make it. And um, interesting enough is that Atletico Madrid, you know, was eyeing him for a while. And um, it goes on to show you that th- this kid has the potential to make it. And he has the attitude. But the only thing is with Iranian players is that they need to always make the correct decisions of which clubs they go to. Because some clubs, they, they do go to, it, it tends to actually backfire to them. But um, um, we're going to have our eyes on him because now he's playing. It is debuted. And um, he's the one to look at for the future. And that's somebody that I think Iranian fans should have their eye on as Reza Academy for sure, hands down. And you know, let's make something, let's uh, you know, give some more information to our listeners. Reza Karimi, he is from Ardabil. He did represent Shahdari Ardabil in his youth career. He also did play for Gostarish Fulad during the 2015-16 um, Persian Golf Pro League season. He did make six appearances for them. And yes, and so he is now playing for Skanderbu Korchin, the Albanian Superliga. And like I mentioned earlier, he has represented Iran at the U, at the under 17 level. And he still is a current member of Iran's under 20 national team. And for our listeners as well, you know, don't forget if you are paying attention, I believe later this year in May, Iran's under 20 team will be participating in the FIFA under 20 World Cup in South Korea. So that is definitely something to put on your calendar. Of course, a few months away, but you know, it'll be here before you know it. And with that, everyone, it is time for us to wrap up this edition of Team LA Talk. Thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate the support. Make sure you are following us on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. You know the handle, at Team LA Talk. Make sure you are visiting our new and improved webpage, TeamLATalk.com. We are always keeping you up to date on Team LA, our national team of Iran, and, of course, our Iranian footballers plying their trade in European football leagues. Pasha, just like to thank you again for joining us. It was really great to have you on Team LA Talk. I appreciate the invite anytime, my friend.